Are you ready? Welcome to Radio Grognard, King Size, the OSR podcast with more stuff, with your host, Glenn Hallstrom. Hi, folks, Old Man Grognard here. Hope you're all doing well. It's a nice day. Okay, I want to get into uh, um, things about miniatures or lack of miniatures and castles and crusades, and we'll talk about that right after this. If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. All right. Um, as you know, I'm, I'm going to revisit a topic here that I did in the uh, earlier shorter shows that I don't use minis. I stopped using minis. In fact, I gave my minis away. They're not very far. They're with my grandson. But still, I think he'll get more use out of it than I will. I don't even know if he still has a group or anything like that. But anyway, I decided to go with tokens. Now, that has you know, it's evolved and changed some, some since then. I have a whole big, huge um, tackle box, fishing tackle box full of tokens. I mean, huge. And I know I'm never going to use all of them, but I did break it down. I got a smaller, you know, I got a smaller case and I go, okay, these are going to be my day-to-days. These are going to be the, uh, this is the base. This is the basics. I would prefer, actually to tell you the truth, I would prefer something like Arknight or something, you know, stand-ups and things like that. But these will get by. And I, I bought a lot of them. I bought, that's, to me, that's the only thing good came out of 4th edition were those tokens. And I did buy the Monster Vault and added to it by making my own with washer fender washers. But I still have, you know, the basics, and I can carry those around. That's no problem. It's a lot easier. But I thought, you know, I do have generics in here that I can use, one and done type of, you know, with nothing on blank ones. But I need something that is a little more versatile. So I went online, and I got these plastic tokens I can't remember, see, the second set I got on Amazon, but I can't remember the first, where I got the first set. It was some, some company, I was very nervous about doing it because if, if the company, if, you know, wherever I'm buying some stuff isn't Amazon, then I always feel like I'm taking a risk. But I got this set of nice tokens and I found out, okay, these are about, no, wait a minute. I looked at them again. These are an inch and a half. And I wanted one-inch tokens because that's all mine are, one-inch tokens. So I saw another set on Amazon that were one-inch tokens and bought them. You may think this is a screw-up, but it wasn't. Well, sort of. But I'm, you know, I made lemonade out of lemons because I found out I can actually stack them if there's something, you know, you know, you, these are different colors too. So if they're like on fire, I can put a red thing, uh, the red larger one under one stack them. But anyway, the point I'm getting at is 
I like these because you can mark them with wet erase or dry erase markers. And then when you're done, just discard them, which will come in really handy, not only for tokens for monsters and things, but for player characters, for things in a dungeon, like a, a dresser or a pot or a whatever. You know what I'm saying? I love things that are versatile like that. I think more players, more gamers, more GMs should think about getting things like that. And let's talk about accessories in general. I'm kind of, I'm I pick I pick my accessories very carefully that I'm going to use, like tokens or cards or. Uh, terrain or whatever you want to call them. First of all, I'm not a terrain guy. I don't I don't derive any pleasure on making them and I think they take up too much room because I'm always trying to save space. Now, my friend Matt, he loves terrain. He's got a whole bunch of it. He uses it to great effect. You know, if you can do it, more power to you, but it's just it's just not my thing. It's like mini mini painting. You know, I thought I'd enjoy mini painting, but I was kind of bored. You know, I just wanted the damn thing painted so I could use it. So I just got out of that. But like I said, accessories to me are, you really got to think, am I going to use this in a game? I've gone, you know, in my, in my 30, my, my 40 years of playing, there are times in the early days where I bought stuff where I'm going, why did I buy this? Am I actually going to use this? Remember Dragon Bones? I had one. And I looked at it and I go, or I say, hmm, why do I have a bag full of dice in? I mean, this thing, I mean, it's nice and all, and it lights up and all this other stuff, but I just saw no real advantage to it. So I started making purchases a little more wisely. That's one thing, that's another thing that gaming has taught me <laughs> is to be frugal and be a cheap bastard. You know, if I can, and, and just weigh what you're going, and also, you know, age has to do with it too. I mean, I am an old grognard, so, but thinking about, I, and these things just take up space. Um, I've got a lot of game books, a lot of game books. Most of them are in the garage, but I know I will use them because I'm always looking for ideas for games. I've got a whole, as, as I've said before, I've shown before, I've got a whole big stack of Judges Guild that I can, that I can, I can grab from. And so I am not lacking in things to use. I think I bought like two or three, a couple of different types of dungeon tiles. I bought the Roll 4 Initiative ones that I ended up giving to my grandson because he needed something like that. And I've also bought the blue dungeon tiles, which I don't, I don't use, but I don't regret because I really like them. Really did a good job on that. And, you know, I, I, still, I still haul them out because you can do a wet, anything that's, like I said, versatile, wet or dry erase, I will use. I will make time to use it or figure out a way to use it. So that's why I went to tokens. And that's why I bought these 
these uh, wet or dry erase type tokens because I can draw a monster picture on there or whatever and put it down there. And when it's done, wipe it off, go, you know, put it back, put it back in the thing. And, and I'm not, you know, I'm not searching for tokens. I usually, when I'm, when I start a session, before I start a session, I usually pull out the tokens that I'm going to need. Uh, but sometimes, you know, things happen, players do what they're going to do. And you and you know yeah I end up having to to improvise and all right oh hmm. okay man I need a grill I don't have a grill oh I I'm gonna have, it's gonna take me ten minutes to find a grill hell with it I'm just gonna grab grab a token write grill on there or something like that plop it down there's a grill okay floating along yes sirree and that's the way I like to do it. I think what the the less accessories I have to work with, the better, I, the happier I am. And I realize I have to have a a base amount of things like a map, like dice, like something representing characters. I mean, yes, theater of the mind. I've done it a lot, a lot, but I do, and the players do like seeing you know, seeing where they are and what they're doing. And I don't mind drawing it out or whatever. I've been trying to use the concept of not using a battle mat at all and have just a piece of butcher paper where I draw out a dungeon or a wilderness or something like that and then put the tokens down there and everybody gets a ruler. And we do the old ruler thing. Um, that's not gone over too well with some of my players. I know my grandson doesn't like it, but, uh, you know, that's that way I said, okay, I've got a piece of paper. Let's go. You know, that kind of thing. And, uh, I'm always looking for doing things on the cheap. So there we are. Okay. I think I've talked that to death. So I wanted to talk about the aftermath of the OGL incident for Wizards of the Coast, just briefly, just to make a point. Um, because, I, like I said, I don't like doing topical stuff on here because it dates the show. And I want whatever I say, whatever tips and tricks I give, whatever advice I give, I want people to, like years from now, other generations, to be able to benefit from it. So the only reason I'm putting, the, I'm just putting this into context Everybody know that Watsi pretty much, or Hasbro pretty much dropped the ball. And boy, did they drop the ball. It just drove people to other game systems, and their loss is the other game systems gain. I mean, we I've heard of companies like, like uh, Frog God or other, other like that. Pathfinder had a boost. Paizo had a boost. Frog God had a boost in Swords and Wizardry. They don't own Swords and Wizardry anymore, but what the hell. But the point is, people were buying them in droves because they got sick and tired of the OGL, the way they did it. Yes, these are clones. A lot of these are OGL clones, but they were also going to like, like the Index Card RPG or Tunnels and Trolls or RuneQuest, things that had nothing to do with class and level D&D stuff. They were, they were, they were, they had an uptick in sales because of all this, you know, more power to them. That's great. Um, but the one I like, the one that actually got the biggest boost was Castles and Crusades by Troll Lord Games. 
I cannot recommend that system enough. And it's a it's as, it's further enough away from the OGL that they can they can they can get away with what they're doing. Now, I told my players long uh, quite a while ago that I was going to use Hyperborea, the Hyperborea system for everything I do fantasy. And now I'm rethinking that because Castles and Crusades, I have my Thursday game, Matt's, Matt's Thursday game. They should, he switched to Castles and Crusades because he got PO'd at, at Wizards and Hasbro because of the whole flack. Because he's a publisher too that uses the OGL. So I can understand that. But Castles and Crusades, well, first of all, it, we, I, I remember Castles and Crusades way back in the day in the late 80s when when they when it came out during the 335 era the D20 era and I looked at it and I thought I like this a lot better than third edition because it was kind of based on third edition but they changed it enough where it was play more playable to me I don't have to keep track of every single thing you know, every single stat that everything has. I hated that about third edition and three five. I hated it. I mean, why do I have to know why this monster has what their saves are? I mean, back in basic D&D, they just said saves is a third level fighter or something like that. You can figure it out. You know, I don't like that kind of granularity. And Castles and Crusades gave me what I wanted. I mean, I bought the first edition couldn't get anybody to play it, but I brought the first edition. Then later on, you know, 20, 30 years later, all of a sudden, it's a big deal. And it is a big deal because it's a great system. They took something and made it better. It was called the Rosetta Stone of role-playing games because you can use any other edition of D&D with the exception of maybe fourth with it. And I don't know about fit. This is this is like during third three five, so there was there was that. You've you've got you know you've got the way they cleaned it up was brilliant because first of all they took out all the they took out all the uh, proficiencies. That means no skills, no feats. I like that. I have there's ways I changed it because just to just to make it just to make it a little more you know more in line with the way I like to run things and I'm not pretending that castles and crusades does not have problems but I'll get to that in a minute the siege engine is great because they just took all the provisions and stuff and made them a role for you with your stats primary and secondary characteristics brilliant brilliant now I'd change that a little because I'm I'm one to take stuff from other games. <laughs> and from first edition ADD or Hyperborea or Osric, I took the secondary secondary professions table. <clears throat> because I am a firm even though I don't really like skills, I kind of got a love-hate relationship with skills. Simpler the better. My favorite skill system, if I had to have a skill system, would be the one from the Rule Cyclopedia, Beck Me. 
Uh, very simple to use. But my contention is these people did something before they became adventurers. I mean, look at Dungeon Crawl Classics. They do a character funnel of peasants. They had an occupation first. In fact, I'm thinking of getting a copy of DCC and see what kind of tables I can <clears throat> appropriate for my game. And that's one of them. And what I like to do with it is you have primary... Let me go real quick over the, the Siege Engine. Uh, you have your you have your stick stats, like regular D&D, but you have primary and secondary stats. Now, humans get three, demi-humans get two. And one of them, depending on what class you use, is always fixed. Okay, you're a fighter, strength, it's always going to be... You're always, so you get to pick one other if you're a demi-human, or two other if you're a human. And what that does is you make those primary abilities, everything is secondary, and it affects how you roll the dice. If you want to try something and it takes a strength roll and strength is your primary ability, well, the base number you have to roll over is 12. If it's a secondary ability, say it's a dex-based climbing skill and you and it's your secondary ability, the base the base number to roll is 18. So and there are ads to that. There are other things to that, like the cha uh, basically challenge levels, one to six. You can go higher, but you know. But the characters also get their pluses too, in the form of whatever whatever thing they're doing. They get to add their, you know, their their um, their stat bonus plus. If it r totally relates to like a strength roll and it's your primary, you can add your level. So if you're a third level, you can add a plus three. So, you know, it's a back and forth thing. And I kind of like that. But as far as secondary skills go, secondary professions, excuse me, I would encourage or rather say to my players, look, I want you to have a secondary skill. Okay, we'll roll on this table or the ostrich table or the DCC table, whatever. I want you to roll on this to find out what your secondary... Or pick one. I'll even let them pick one. But it has to relate to your primary, you know, your primaries. In fact, before they even get a class, I would have them roll on that saying, okay, you are, you are a lumberjack, okay? That would fit in with this class, which gives you a strength as a primary then you can pick whatever you want or something to that effect. This is going to have, I'm going to have to work on this a little, but that would make it really easy because like I said, I played, I played basic. I played one E, I played two E. Yes. I, you can play as an adventurer, but to me, the adventurer class, the adventurer is not, is not primarily a profession or it can be a, I mean, it can be a profession, but it's not something you start with. And I think you should get credit for the things you learned, the experience you got before you started adventuring. Okay? That's the way I feel about it. But anyway, try Castles and Crusades. It's really nice. Now, it has its problems. I mean, there are some things I don't like about it. The, the main thing is that I'm a firm believer in the basic 1E, 2E, uh, monster hit dice being a D8 across the board with rare exceptions across the board D8 
they do different they do different uh, hit dice for monsters. I don't like that. It makes it hard for me to judge an encounter. And, you know, I don't believe much encounter balance because I do like a rough encounter balance. It's the total number of levels of the party versus the total number of hit dice for the, for the monster or monsters. And if you keep changing from D8 to D10 to D12 to D6, how are you going to get consistency with that? I mean, yeah, I mean, you know, that, but I have to have some kind of rough estimate before I send it in. Sort of they send them into the, the fray. I mean, yeah, I'll, I'll throw out an encounter that's, that's over their head, see what they do. But I want that make be a conscious, conscious decision on my part, if you know what I mean. So that's the only thing I would, that's the only main thing I would change for Castles and Crusades. But anyway, try it out. It's a great game if you haven't tried it out already. And um, i got to go start my day. So if you guys want to talk to me about this or anything else, oldmangrognardgmail.com. We are, or drop a voicemail at Spotify for Podcasters. We are monetized. So as little as 99 cents a month, you too can help support this program. And I would thank you. For single donations, go to my Ko-fi page, ko-fi.com slash oldmangrognard, or my PayPal tip jar, paypal.me slash oldmangrognard. Let me thank these people who do give to me monthly. Gilbert Soros, Juan Carlos Llewellyn, Benjamin Brodell, John Allen, Large, and Aaron. Thank you very much. For other good podcasts, Dan Greggs, the Young Y-U-N-G, Young Grognard Podcast, Kevin at the Red Caps Podcast, Daniel Norton's Bandits Keep Podcast, Randy and Joe's Biggest Geekest Podcast, Big John Allen, Larges the Red Dice Diaries, and my friend Eric Tinkar's Tavern Chat. So, until I see you folks next time, keep the dice warm, and I'll talk to you later. Bye-bye. You got questions? You got comments? Send them to oldmangrognard at gmail.com. Tune in next time when Radio Grognard King Size is on the air. <laughs> <laughs>